But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we built the wall, he was angry, he was wroth, says the Bible. He took great indignation. And he began to mock the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews do? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Sanballat was now joined by Tobiah, an Ammonite, who was with him. And he said, even that which they build, if a little fox was to go up it, he would break down their stone walls. Now, these are insults, if you haven't picked that up. And verse 10 says, because of such verbal discouragements and insults, the people said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decaying. There is so much rubbish, it's, it's such a big job, and we're not able to build the wall. The strength of the bearers of the burdens is decaying, declining. The morale is bad. Everybody wants to give up and quit. As we go through life, we're going to meet two types of people. By the way, you're one of these types. The first type of people we're going to meet is what I call balcony people. They're high people. They're close to heaven. These kind of people come into our lives and they cheer us on. They build us up. They're the kind of people who give us a positive push forward. You might say they're stepping stones. Stepping stones to the greatness that we might desire and to the success in life and in the matters of faith that we would want. Balcony people are always saying things like this. You can make a difference. You have what it takes. Keep going. You can do it. You are special. You can be somebody. You can do something. You can make something of yourself and of your life. These are balcony people. They're close to heaven. But then there's another kind of people. We call them basement people. They're not close to heaven. They're closer to hell. And they're not here to cheer us. They're here to boo us. They're not here to build us up. They're here to tear us down. They stab us in the back with their words. They belittle us. They deeply hurt us. They're not stepping stones, but they're stumbling blocks that greatly hinder, harass, and even bring to a halt whatever we desire to be and whatever we desire to do in this life or for the Lord Jesus himself. Basement people also talk too. They say things to us. You're a nobody. You're going to fail. 
You're a loser. You're never going to amount to anything. Why don't you just crawl in a hole and go away and die? There's not one single person here tonight who's not been hurt by basement people. Not one single person here tonight sitting here looking at me, listening to my voice, that has not been discouraged, deeply wounded and hurt by basement people. They say that that words cannot break your bones, but they can break something else. They can break your spirit. And words can have a direct impact on what you and I become and what you and I do in life and for the Lord. Some of you right now looking at me carry scars in your spirit of previous times that your spirit has been broken because somebody said to you, you're a zero. You're a zero! You're a no-count. You're a bum. You're a nothing. You're a loser. You're a failure. You're a pile of junk. You're just an ugly duckling. You're a stupid idiot. Have you ever heard those words directed at you? Maybe a minister said them to you. Maybe a teacher said them to you. Maybe a coach said them to you. Maybe an employer said them to you. Maybe a family member said them to you. Maybe your own parents said them to you. Balcony people can come in all shapes and sizes and from all places. And all of us have been hurt by them. In our text... Nehemiah wants to be great for God. He wants to do a great work for God. He specifically desires to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, to restore the holy city of of, of God as it was called in that day. And whenever someone desires to be great, whenever someone desires to do something great with their life or with their faith, I can promise you Satan will send the basement people to you. They're close to him anyway. Maybe they're his cousins. Sometimes they're out there, sometimes they're in here. But he sends them. In Nehemiah's case, there's two of them who are going to come. As we read in our text, their name is Sanballat and Tobiah. And they're going to personally attack the person of Nehemiah and the purpose and the work that he is endeavoring to do. Can I give you a Jim Palmer paraphrase of Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3? Can I do that? I'm glad you said yes, because I was anyway. (laughs) This is the Jim Palmer Amplified Version. You might have it in your seat. You may not. 
But let me tell you what Sanballat and Tobiah are saying to Nehemiah in those three verses that we read earlier. Nehemiah, you are mentally incompetent. You are physically impotent. You are just a feeble Jew mentally and physically. You have no understanding of reality. You're just a dreamer. You're a fool. If you think you can rebuild these walls that have been down for years, do you understand you would have to carry off all of this trash? Do you understand you would have to secure a new block and stone? Do you understand there's dangers in doing this? You don't. You don't understand you can't do this. You're a loser, Nehemiah. Why don't you step down and quit this work? Quit this foolishness. That's what they're saying to him. And not just to him, but to all of those that are working with him. No wonder in verse 10, the strength of the bearers of the burden. That's the workers. Nehemiah and his workers. It says they're decayed. They're discouraged. Wouldn't you be discouraged if somebody said that to you? You want to do something for God. You want to do something big for God. And then the basement crowd come and say all of that to you. How would you feel? Nehemiah was demoralized. He was discouraged. He was dismayed. I even believe that he had his doubts about who he was and what God had called him to do and what he wanted to do. I really think he perhaps was dangerously close to wanting to quit. I mean, who wouldn't? But he didn't. You see, Nehemiah wasn't going to be a victim of anybody. He was going to be a victor, as I said earlier. You can't always control what people are going to say to you but you can control if what they say about you is going to come true. Did you hear me? You can't control what people are going to say about you. The basement crowd is always going to have their analysis of you and me and what we're trying to do. But we can make sure that what they have prophesied doesn't come true. Because we're going to rise up and not fall down. We're going to carry on and not quit. We're going to prove them wrong. And that's Nehemiah's attitude. We're going to build those walls. Are we hurt? Yes. Are we wounded? Yes. Are we discouraged? Yes. Are we struggling? Yes. But we're moving on. Now what I want us to see quickly tonight is how he does that. Because how he did it's how we can do it. Because some of you have never recovered from it. Oh, you, you forgot about it, perhaps. You've stifled it. You've stuffed it. You've you picked up your mattress and put it under your mattress. You've opened up the door and threw it in the closet and closed it and you're holding it back. But the truth of the matter is you're bearing scars right now. And some of those scars have never really healed. Maybe they're bleeding a little tonight. Maybe you were told you're a nobody and you'll never amount to nothing. 
And maybe you've somewhat believed that for a long time. And it's affected who you are now and what you do in life and for the Lord. I'm telling you, there's hope in all of that. Never too late to come out of it. I want you to notice what Nehemiah does. First of all, he stays focused. Yes, he's discouraged. Yes, he's dismayed. Yes, he has doubts. But he stays focused. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 15. He says, Then went I up in the night by the brook, and I viewed the wall. He's saying, I stayed focused on the work. I didn't allow the critics to distract me. I stayed focused. He said, I went up in the night by the brook, and I viewed the wall that was torn down and just a bunch of rubbish And I turned back. And then I entered by the gate of the valley, and then I returned again. What he's simply saying is, is I walked the grounds. We do that every year at this church, by the way. The staff and I, along with our attorney, we walk the grounds of our property. We walk the grounds of our building. We try to identify things that need to be worked on or corrected for safety or for litigation purposes or for crime purposes. You're important to us. We want to make sure we take care of you. We want to make sure we take care of what God has given us here. So Nehemiah walks the walls. He focuses his eyes, his ears, his mind, and his heart on the work that he's going to do. He stays focused. He's not going to allow the criticisms to distract him. Some of you here tonight have allowed what people have said distract you from God's work. You can't sing. Why are you in the choir? You can't teach. Why are you teaching? If you want to sing, be in the choir. If you want to teach, teach. Don't you let some critic stop you from being what you want to be and do for God. Or what you want to be and do in life for that matter. Stay focused on what your goal is. Stay focused on what your dream is. Don't be distracted. Nehemiah stayed focused. Secondly, I want you to see in chapter 2 verse 20, he kept the faith. He kept the faith. Then he answered them and said to them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build the walls. Wow. The God of heaven, he will prosper us. This is his work. He will take care of his work. And he'll take care of his workers. The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we are his servants and we will arise and build. Nehemiah understood something. You never lose sight of God. This is who God wants me to be. This is what God wants me to have. This is what God wants me to do. 
I am not going to allow a human being to derail what God has for me. If God is for me, help me out. Who can stand against me? If you're led by faith to do something for God, do it. And do not allow the basement crowd to deter you. Nehemiah said, this work of rebuilding these walls is not my idea. It's God's idea. He planted it in my mind. He put it in my heart. And if this indeed is of God, then I am going to trust Him to make me who I need to be. Give me what I need to have. Allow me to do what I want to do, that I can accomplish the work that He has so purposed in me to do. My God is able. Mighty is He. Thirdly, Nehemiah is going to fight back. He's going to take on the basement people. You say, Pastor, what's he going to do? Punch him in the nose? No. Kick him in the behind? No. Maybe they ought to be kicked, but he's not. What's he going to do? Chapter 4, verse 9. This is how we fight. Because our battle's not against flesh and blood, is it? It's not the basement people we're fighting. It's the one who sends them. Notice how he's going to battle the devil, who's behind all the discouragements. Nevertheless, we made our, what's that word? Prayer unto God. He's going to battle the basement people, the criticisms, the hurts that he has received. He's going to battle them on his knees. He's taken them to his father. And his father is the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's a son. He's going to the father. And he's going to pray about all of these things. He's going to put into effect Jeremiah 33.3. If you don't ever listen to anything I ever say, and if you can't remember anything when I'm dead and gone, remember Jeremiah 33.3. Call upon the Lord and He will answer you. He will show you great and mighty things you could never know. He will do for you great and mighty things you could never do. He'll bring His omniscience. He'll bring His omnipotence into your life. He'll do great and mighty things. Remember that. And Nehemiah calls upon God. He says, God, this is your work. I can't deal with this crowd, this basement group of people. I'm tired of their discouragements. I'm tired of their hurting me and wounding me with their words. Lord, I'm asking you to deal with them. As we read different parts in the book of Nehemiah, we'll find out that his prayer actually was for three things. For the critics to be silenced, for the workers to be encouraged, and for the work to be finished. That's specifically what he prayed for. We should always pray specifically. 
Tell God what you want specifically. Let God then take care of it how He chooses to take care of it. You don't dictate to God what to do. You just ask Him to please think about these things. Silence the critics, God. Shut their mouth. Encourage those, including myself, who want to do this work for you. And allow us to finish the work, Lord. You're not a God who starts things and stops. You're not a God who starts things and, and pauses and delays and fools around and kicks the can down the road. You're not our government, God. <laughs> you work and act. You get done what you want to do. That's what he prayed. Fourthly, he had fortitude. In chapter 6, verse 3. And Sanballat and Geshem, he's the third one of the basement crowd that's bothering Nehemiah. They sent a message to me saying, come and let us meet together and and some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. Verse 3, I sent messengers unto them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. And why should the work cease to meet with you? Now, by the way, they're not really wanting to meet with Nehemiah at all. They just want to get him off and kill him. He knows that. And so he says, I haven't got time to meet with you. There's no reason to meet with a bunch of fools, are they? I serve a God that has a work to do, and I'm going to stay on the task. I'm going to do the work. Yeah, in other words, he had fortitude. He wasn't going to quit. He wasn't going to give up. He wasn't going to throw in the towel. He wasn't going to surrender. A person who will not quit cannot be beat. Think about that. A person who will not quit cannot be beaten. Persistence wins a lot of battles where nothing else will. Nehemiah says, God's given me the work. I know who I am. I know what he's called me to do. I know what they say. I'm disregarding all of that. I'm staying on task. I'm not giving up. I'm going to be constant, I'm going to be continual, I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to be steadfast, I'm going to keep the ball moving forward. You see, some of us quit too early. Because things don't always happen quickly. We want things to happen just like that, don't we? That's not the way God does things. God is not a God of time. He doesn't allow calendars and clocks and watches and daytimers control Him. He's always been, He'll always be. Time is irrelevant to God, but timing is everything. And sometimes God delays doing things that we want Him to do in our life because He's working in other people's lives. And when God is ready, He'll bring everything together at once. So don't be angry with God if He's not doing what you want Him to do right now. 
be patient and wait and just keep on keeping on. I promise you he will deliver. He's on time every time. And then lastly, he's going to finish the dream. He's going to finish. He stays focused. He keeps the faith. He fights back on his knees with prayer. He has fortitude. He's not going to quit. He will not submit. He's not going to throw in the towel. And he's going to finish at everything. In chapter 6, verse 15, it says the wall was, say that again, finished. It was finished. The wall was finished. Whom God called him to be, a builder and a battler. What work God had called him to do to rebuild the walls of the holy city was finished. And by the way, it was finished in 52 days. All the critics said it can't be done in a lifetime. What did they know? Not much. 52 days, the rubbish was hauled away and the walls were rebuilt. What was impossible became possible. What was a dream became a reality. What was a loss became a victory. What was a failure became a success. What would Nehemiah would have listened to Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem? Wonder if he would have said, I am a nobody. I am just a mentally incompetent, physically impotent, feeble Jew. Suppose he believed what they said about him. Those walls would have never got built, perhaps. And Nehemiah wouldn't be found in the Bible. He wouldn't be in God's hall of fame. He'd be in God's hall of shame. But he said, I'm not listening to those who hurt me with words, whoever they may be. I'm carrying on. I'm going to prove them wrong. I close with a story about Derek Redmond. Derek was a sprinter from the nation of Britain, the UK. He entered the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, Spain. And he was going to run the 400 meters, that's one lap around the track for his country. He was a co-owner of the world record at that time with several other people. In the finals of that event, as he was running about halfway around that track, he tore a hamstring and tore it pretty bad and it was pretty ugly. He immediately had to pull up. The pain was excruciating. Of course, everybody else has already run by him. But he's not going to stop. He's 175 meters away from the finish line. But he's still got about half the track to go. And he's got a torn hamstring. He's in great pain. So he decides to 
to hop on his one good leg. He's going to finish. His father, who was there, close to the track, sees his son hobbling on one leg to go 175 meters, a half a track, so he can finish. His father eludes security, jumps over the wall, and runs to his son. Jim Redman goes to his son Derek, puts his arm around him, embraces his side, and he walks with his son until his son got to the finish line. Of course, the Olympic judges disqualified him, said he didn't finish the race fairly. It really didn't matter. He finished. And 65,000 people that were in that stadium stood and gave him a standing ovation. Derek Redman overcame injury and pain to finish. Jim Redman, his father, was a balcony person who was there to encourage his son to finish and to help him. Tonight, maybe you're a Derek Redman. Maybe on the track of life you have been wounded, you have been hurt, and you're hobbling around and you're thinking about quitting. You're thinking about giving up. You're thinking about listening to those basement people, the boo crowd, tell you that you're nobody. You'll never amount to nothing. We told you so. Don't you quit. You finish for the glory of God and for the good of yourself. Prove them wrong. And tonight, let's all be balcony people. Let's all jump out of the, the stands. Let's come up alongside people that are hurting because they've been told things that are not true. They've been wounded by words. And let's help them. Be what God wants them to be and do what God wants them to do. Can we do that? Yes, we can. It's tragic when somebody tells us we're a nobody and we can't do nothing. But you know what's more tragic than that? When we believe it. Because then two tragedies take place. Don't allow that to happen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe tonight you have been wounded by words. Words, simple words, but those words were sharp. They were pointed. And those words were aimed at your mind and your heart. And those words broke your spirit. Maybe they came from somebody that you trusted. Maybe they came from somebody who doesn't really know you well. Maybe they came out in the world. Maybe they came in the church. But those words are stinging words even right now.
You hear those words in your mind over and over and over again. Those words demean you and belittle you and mock you and ridicule you. Your person, who you are. Those words mock you and belittle you and ridicule you. And what you're trying to do. Why don't you change things tonight? You can't change what people say about you. You can't stop what people are going to say about you. But you can carry on. And maybe tonight you're wounded. Maybe tonight you just need to come to this altar and stand and say, Lord, I'm tired of being a double victim. I'm tired of allowing people to say things about me and do things to me that are goal busters and dream breakers. Tonight, I'm starting over again. I'm moving forward. I'm going to be something in this life and I'm going to be something in this faith for you. Maybe you just need to come and say that at this altar. I, you know, say, Pastor, I can say it at my seat. Yes, you can say it at your seat. I know that. But there's a reason why I want you to come forward. Because I'd like some balcony people to come and stand next to you and just pray for you. You don't have to give all the details of why you hurt. It's irrelevant. You just hurt. Tonight you just need to know that people are going to pray for you that you don't become a twice victim. That a double tragedy doesn't unfold. I was talking to an evangelist and he told me, he said, you know, I've always wanted to play baseball. But he said, when I was growing up, I was on the small side and I was on the frail side. I was a late bloomer, so I wasn't as tall as the other people my age and the other players my age. And The coach took me to the side and said, you can't play baseball because you're too little. He said, I never picked up a batter ball or glove again. I knew I could play ball. But when he said that to me, it broke my spirit, and I've never, ever played ball again. I don't play for the church softball. I, don't, I didn't ever play in junior high. I never played in high school. I never played anywhere. See, that one coach crushed him, and he became a double victim. Don't let it happen to you.